Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. I'm Lady Boy Gigi, and I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. <laughs> and tonight we're going to be talking about informed consent and negotiations. Mm-hmm. You want to introduce what this is all about? Yeah. Really, when you get down to it, informed consent is the bedrock of all BDSM and sexual activities because especially with BDSM without informed consent it's just abuse Mm -hmm. I chose this topic today because it is one of the most important aspects of sexuality and BDSM and because it's a thing that People get confused about it, or they assume that they know what it is and make simple mistakes that can wind up having devastating consequences sometimes. And it's it's just really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I remember back when I was young, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion around sex. You just started making out and one thing led to another and 
And if you read the body language correctly, then you're okay. But there's oftentimes where the signals were kind of mismatched and things could go wrong and it could be a bad thing. And I think having informed consent saying, hey, this is what I'd like to do with you. And I became at an early age, I would ask both guys and women, hey, would you like to have sex with me? Mm -hmm. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to start out with a little bit of petting and then some maybe some oral sex and then get into some intercourse. And this is where I want to go tonight, if that's okay with you. And oftentimes they'd say, well, I'm not sure about the intercourse, but I'd be okay with some touching and feeling and and we negotiate. Mm-hmm. And it was in a way a relief to me to be able to be honest and open and say, hey, here's what I want, being dyslexic and ADHD. It was hard for me to tell what, when the green light was on mm-hmm. through body language alone. And it just made things feel a lot safer for me and a lot easier to negotiate the, the pathway to good sex. <laughs> hmm I can't tell you how many friends I've had, especially AFAB friends. And AFAB, for people who don't know the acronym, is assigned female at birth. I can't tell you how many AFAB friends I, I have who, you know, when they're talking about especially their early sexual experiences, it wasn't something that they wanted or, or really expected, but at the time they just went with it either out of guilt or fear. And a lot of the time the guys would not have thought of themselves as doing anything wrong. And that's a big problem that I still hear horror stories about. Culturally speaking, in a sex-negative culture, guys are socialized to go and get it, and women are socialized to be the gatekeepers, to say, hey, put the brakes on, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Unfortunately, some women are also socialized to please the men. And so there's a lot of conflict that occurs within our own selves for guys and girls both. Where, hey, a guy is supposed to be always ready and ready to go and and girls are supposed to be kind of like hold off a little bit, let's take it slower <laughs> mm-hmm. and be the protectors. Mm-hmm. And so it really makes for a bad mix in a sex-negative culture to have these subliminal messages or social conditioning that kind of adds up this kind of equation. Doesn't mm-hmm. add up well. Mm-hmm. And that's where informed consent really can help open the doors to communication and mm-hmm. 
open the doors to really better sex. And I can't tell you how many women have come into temple and said, oh, I just go with what my boyfriend wants. I don't want to offend him mm-hmm. and let him know that I don't really like this, but I'll just put up with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like good informed consent is all about good communication saying, hey, this is what I desire. And it can open the door to so much better sex for both parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that there are all sorts of things that happen where a guy might think like, oh, this is how sex is supposed to be. And so they're going off of instinct and they might be doing something that they think of as tedious that they don't like and their partner doesn't like the thing, but they've never said anything because they feel embarrassed and don't want to hurt their boyfriend's ego, and no one's really getting anything out of it. And it's just frustrating both parties. And you cut that out altogether with informed consent. And I think the other thing that came to mind as you were talking is that too often we're influenced by the porn industry of, oh, this is what sex is supposed to be, or the Hollywood version. Mm -hmm. This is what sex is supposed to be, and we try to fit the mold, and that's not what sex really is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also, I know one thing that happens a lot is when people get used to one sexual partner they whatever that partner liked or whatever worked in that relationship, they think that like, oh, this is how it always works when that's not the case. It's not universal. Everybody's wired a little different. And so it's good to communicate and figure out, okay, what what makes you feel good? What brings you pleasure? And that's partly why I created the erotic body map, is to map out your pleasure zones and figure out what is it I like and what does my body enjoy sexually, Mm -hmm. and then be able to communicate that to your partner. Yeah, and I think that it's important to explore your sexuality by yourself so that you can figure out what it is that you really enjoy, what you don't enjoy. I think that when it comes to to kink and BDSM, having like really sitting down and thinking about things and like, like deciding what you're interested in, what you're interested in exploring what your dislikes are, what your soft limits are, what your hard limits are, things that you'd be willing to do for your partner in order to get them off, but it's not your cup of tea. Like sitting down and figuring all of those things out. And those things change all the time. I know that there have definitely been times where I've changed my mind about what I like and what I don't and what I'm willing to do and what I'm not. Um, When it comes to consent and things in a relationship, it also doesn't uh, stay static for, for couples either. 
So it's not a conversation that you have once. It's an ongoing dialogue that you continue to have throughout the course of your relationship with someone. And I can tell you from my experience that I've had to explore and overcome a lot of social taboos and sexual taboos and really listen to my body and figure out what do I enjoy. Because with preconceived notions and a lot of the stuff that people told me, it was just social conditioning and wrong. There's things I enjoy today that in my early 20s, I would have said, no way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was a journey of discovery. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of informed consent and doing the things to explore yourself first and then be able to communicate that to your partner and gain informed consent and also negotiate what you want, enjoy doing and what you want to do together. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to encourage people to say things like, I'm willing to try this this time, but that doesn't mean that in the future, I want you to do it without checking in again. Last time we tried this thing and I enjoyed it okay, but it's not a thing that I want to happen every time. Things like that. Or if we do this again, I would like it to be different in the following ways. And I, I think that that's a, a kind of conversation people aren't used to having. I think that a lot of times people think that if you enjoyed something once, then it's always on the table, and that's also not the case. And there's times when I enjoy having someone really bite hard on my nipples, and other times I like a very delicate touch. And due to mood and hormones and all kinds of things, our bodies know what they want. And it's our job to kind of communicate that to our partner mm -hmm. and figure out, okay, tonight this is what I'm into. Mm -hmm. And it can be amazingly good. I mean, exploring different things. I remember I was with a partner one time and we negotiated the scene ahead of time and it was okay to have some spontaneous stuff thrown in that she knew I would enjoy but didn't tell me at the time and that can be kind of good but we had talked about these things in the past and it was just an amazing experience she put a blindfold on me and we put a fire in the fireplace and we did all kinds of amazing things. She did sensory toys on me and played with my body, and oh, it was so hot. Mm -hmm. But these are things that have to be discovered and explored before you jump in and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that one important thing to to work on and get over is 
either fear of bruising someone's ego or or the knee-jerk reaction to like <clears throat> be hurt or offended when your partner says that there's something that they didn't like even if it's something that you thought you did a good job at and it seemed like they liked it in the first place i think that if if you want to be a good lover it's important to not like react badly when someone's giving you feedback and just to use it as an opportunity to work on something and and make it better next time oftentimes we think oh my partner enjoys it just like I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And we make certain assumptions because it feels good to us. Mm -hmm. But once again, we've said this on the show many times, we're all wired a little different. And when we start exploring things together and communicating, we can get on the same page on what turns each of us on. And what works for each of us. It really helps to communicate and be specific mm -hmm. about what you enjoy and what your partner enjoys. I've had multiple partners and sometimes I've had three ways. And it takes a lot of good communication before you jump into this stuff. If not, you're kind of shooting in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like one one of the things with communication that's really important, there's a lot of different reasons that you might want to communicate things. There's physical safety, like as far as like STI risks and safer sex practices uh, with BDSM, uh, knowing about any like health stuff that they might need to know or emotional triggers that you need to avoid or that you need your partner to avoid with you. Uh, there's uh, just all sorts of reasons that you that this kind of communication is important. And sometimes it's important not to just like talk about the sex, but you know, your background, your, your hangups, like any like weird religious upbringing and stuff like that, and all of these things are are really important things to talk about. Communicating around sex really involves communicating about all the different aspects of your personality because all of that goes into consideration when it comes to sex and sex is more than just a physical act it's a emotional mental physical spiritual mm -hmm. energetic it combines a lot of things together and being able to communicate about that is helps to make for better sex mm-hmm I can't tell you how many times just by sitting down and talking with someone and saying, hey, these are the things I want. 
what do you want? And really negotiating ahead of time and saying, oh, this would really send me to the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by communicating those things, I've gotten to go to the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and different kinds of communication are important for different kinds of sexual encounters. If you're cruising in a gay club, it might be more important to talk about STI risks and safer sex practices and things like that. If you're talking about your first sexual encounter with someone that you're dating, it might involve more like emotional things and what you're looking for more long term. If it's fuck buddy that you get to see every couple of years, it might be how things have changed or new things you've discovered about yourself, things that you're no longer as into as you used to be or things that you're now interested in that you didn't used to be. So like the, the you can't create like a boilerplate a formula for for this kind of communication it like it needs to be kind of uh, structured like uniquely based on what you're looking for and who you're talking to mhm and i think part of doing this is really being authentic mhm coming from your heart forming that genital heart connection with mm-hmm. yourself and with your partner and it's about vulnerability mm-hmm. saying hey this is who and what i am and this is my desires and sharing that with each other and that's a very intimate thing that mm-hmm. can really be kind of hot and sexy in a way that's mm. so amazing <laughs> i remember the first time i met this one woman and uh, I mean, I had the hots for her real bad. And I finally just said, hey, would you like to have sex with me? (laughs) And she kind of looked at me weird at first and then she said, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yes, I'd enjoy that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've done it with other women. I said, no, not interested. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. cleared the air, freed up my time where I didn't waste a lot of time pursuing something that was not going to happen. And so this can be a real game changer Mm -hmm. when you communicate with someone and be direct. And it kind of feels awkward the first time or two, but after a while you get comfortable with it. It becomes more familiar. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's once it becomes a little more familiar, it, it becomes, in a way, easier to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I would like to say that I think is important is if you change your mind in the middle of sex, you you should stick with the initial plan and maybe realize the next time you'll have sex. Because if you, say, decide that 
you're cool with oral, but don't want to have penetrative sex. And this is something you communicate to someone, and then later on you decide that you do want to have penetrative sex. Uh, It can really kind of screw things up if you, like, spring it on them in the moment, and it might feel like there's pressure on them to say yes when they might not be comfortable, even if it's something they wanted in the first place and you're the one who initially said no. I think it's normally best practice to just stick with your guns as far as like the original original communication goes. And then after y'all aren't having sex anymore, maybe like bring it up and say like, I know I had negotiated this and talked about this, but in the middle of it, I was so turned on, like, I could have definitely gone there. And would you be interested in doing that next time? And I think that way, it you like, it's really, really easy to accidentally uh, put pressure on someone that you don't mean to. Uh, and miscommunication is unfortunately a very easy thing to do so being solid in what you say and do and making sure that your actions match your words is very very important especially if you have sex with a lot of different people because everyone's communication styles are different so you just have to stick with your word One of the things that I discovered is oftentimes communication can be nonverbal as well as verbal. And sometimes showing a partner, oh, this is how I like it. I can't tell you how many times I've used my partner's hand to masturbate myself and showing them just the right amount of pressure I like having them use my hands to masturbate themselves. And so oftentimes we can show each other what exactly we enjoy, what pleasures us the most with the right pressures and the right lube and this, everything. Go through all those motions and demonstrate it to your partner. Mm-hmm. And that can be very fulfilling and take pleasure to a whole nother level Mm -hmm. yeah i also know like it really depends on like the places that you're you're playing in like there's a, a swinger group that we're a part of and they always have a like opening circle where we go around and we talk about our desires we talk about our boundaries what we definitely don't want what we definitely do want what we're looking for and sometimes people will say that they're like into free use or they they're more like they feel more like no means no instead of yes means yes and in situations like that it can be a little bit different. Uh, 
But the reason we have those like roundtable discussions before everything starts is so that that communication can can still happen. I know that especially in like older gay culture, there a lot of times like in bathhouses and things like that, people play more like open and like without a lot of pre-negotiation at first uh, so like it kind of depends on where you are and like like in gay culture there's also like hanky codes and stuff like that but i think that there has been a lot more focus recently on like good communication on like fully communicating beforehand and a lot of focus on consent and i think that that that's a good direction that we're going Mm-hmm. And I would like to talk a little bit about how informed consent really is a door opener to experiencing better pleasure with a partner. Mm-hmm. If y'all communicate and say, oh, this is what I desire, this is how I want to experience tonight, then you can get a lot of what you desire. Mm -hmm. There is a power in naming. Mm -hmm. And when you can name it and describe it and communicate that to your partner, then that's almost guarantee you're going to have a really good night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas if you just hold back and just shoot in the dark, it may or probably won't happen the way you want it, and mm-hmm. there'll be disappointment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's also really important to uh, show through your actions and through your words that you are a safe person to say no to. Um, and that means if your partner vetoes something or says, no, not this time, that there's no pressuring them in or like acting like upset or sad that they said no to something you want to do. And a lot of times if you show the person that you're with that you are a safe person to say no to, you'll get more yeses though. They might warm up to the idea of something that they wouldn't have. And also Instead, like, if you ask how they liked something, instead of just saying, like, oh, I liked it, or I didn't, they might go more into detail, be like, these are the things I liked about this, but next time I'd like you to use a little less pressure, or a little more pressure, or maybe that thing that you did there, like, that was great, but I would have liked it more if you had waited until I was a little more turned on before we did that, or like maybe that's something that we should do like earlier, you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. Timing can be so important in sex. Mm -hmm. And oh my, the time has flown by. We're to station break. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd like to remind people to visit my websites. I've got ravenslayerleather.com. There you can, if you go to the videos page, 
you can join us in free webinar once a week. And we also have my website for Temple, which we haven't been real active on lately, but I'll be getting it more active. But we've been busy doing Temple physically, but it's ladyboytemple.com. Mm-hmm. And then my website for sex coaching is ggwilber.com. Mm-hmm. That's two G's, W-I-L-B-U-R.com. Mm-hmm. And we also are seeking out funding to help us get more equipment and help pay for this show. So far, we've been doing a lot of it out of pocket. We get some funding, but not much. I would like to invite you to give if you enjoy and get something from this show to our Patreon page. Mm-hmm. And you can find the link from my website to the Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add? Uh, yes. You you can also visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash GG. And for station break tonight, I'd like to really emphasize it. We've been doing the webinars once a week, and the people that have been involved have gotten a lot out of it. So if you want to really get into something new and different and really dive a little deeper than we can go on this show, because it's not interactive, we're just here talking to you, join us for our webinars. Mm-hmm. And really get into learning some new techniques and all kinds of amazing things. Mm-hmm. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, back to our topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been talking about informed consent and negotiation. We haven't done a lot on negotiation yet. And I would like to say, especially for BDSM, I do have the BDSM interest evaluation, which is a great tool for setting the stage for negotiations. Mm-hmm. It's really discovering, in BDSM anyway, what you enjoy, what your submissive or your dom enjoys, and having a platform, a tool to really negotiate scenes at a 
very detailed level. Mm-hmm. These are the things I enjoy. These are the things that are off limits. These are the things I fear. Mm-hmm. And really exploring with each other fully mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people don't quite get the idea of informed consent, but informed consent is a little different than just consent. It's really getting into the details and informing the person exactly what you want Mm -hmm. to do and explore before you jump in Mm -hmm. and do it. That and also educating yourself on what to expect with different things and what the risks associated might be and different things like that. I think that if, for example, if you are diabetic, like learning what uh, the, the risks of that are with different kinds of BDSM, things like that, or there's a, a million different things that can be involved. I also think if either you or your partner or both are neurotypical, having a basic understanding of whatever form it takes, be it autism or borderline or bipolar or any number of things, having an understanding of how it normally affects people, how it affects you in particular, or if it's your partner, understand, like doing some research to figure out different methods of dealing with things with them. For example, I know a lot of play partners I've had are autistic, and autistic people take everything very, very literally. They have a hard time reading between the lines. So when it comes to communicating with them about sex, I try not to use metaphors, really. I try to talk as plainly as possible. Uh, They can have a hard time with sarcasm, so avoid sarcasm, especially in the course of negotiation and things like that. Uh, So there's just a lot of different things like that. And I think taking time especially as you're getting into BDSM, to educate yourself. Uh, There's all sorts of resources out there. FetLife is a good resource for like doing some exploration and educating yourself. Reddit's another good source for educating yourself about different things. Talking to other kinky people, whether it's online or in person, about different things that you're interested in that might be new to you. Actually, like, working with other kinksters in your area to get training for different things, like, especially if it's something you're interested in, but maybe your partner hasn't tried before, finding someone who has done it before and having them teach your partner how to do it on you or having them teach you how to do something on your partner. I think that can be really, really helpful. One of the things I enjoy is when Paul has an interest I'm not really well-versed in, I love to just sit back and watch someone do it to him. 
mm-hmm. it's i mean my sadism runs real deep i love mm-hmm. watching someone be sadistic with him mm-hmm. it's kind of like ooh baby <laughs> it gets mm-hmm. me hard as a rock so it, you don't even have to learn the new activity just observing it can be fun mhm yeah especially when it comes to new activities communicate well about it beforehand have ongoing communication while it's it's happening with BDSM you want to check in on your partner regularly and make sure that they're okay and responsive and remind them about their safe words make sure that they like take deep breaths throughout the the experience and seem coherent and then having good communication afterwards about how it was and if there is any way that you could have done it differently and like with like especially in like BDSM especially with extreme scenes a lot of times it's best to have that communication the next day and not right after someone has experienced it because you can be kind of in a, a brain fog afterwards and i would like to add or actually jump in on a little slight change of topic but not totally Paul and I have been doing this stuff for a couple of years now. It really works well. And I'd like to kind of delve into some of the things we've experienced together mm-hmm. through negotiations and mm-hmm. being on the right page and sometimes we get a little off and mm-hmm. things go a little awry but the, the these are guideposts and mm-hmm. we always manage to get back on track mm-hmm. and it's through that communication mm-hmm. that informed consent and negotiations mm-hmm. and we are constantly renegotiating stuff mm-hmm. you want to add anything to some of the things you've experienced with that with me oh yeah i mean so like one really good example of that is when we started working together i wasn't very keen on the idea of anal sex i had had a couple of bad experiences and more than that i hadn't had any terrible experiences but i i hadn't had any good experiences with it so i was a little uncomfortable with it and when we started we started off really really slow and explored the outside of the anus and then playing a little bit and then flirting with the inside but just a little bit and then fingers and then toys and then like finally like letting Gigi fuck me in the ass and because we took the time to go through all of the different steps like I felt comfortable all the way along and at this point i i really enjoy it and i get a lot out of it and i'm very very comfortable about it but i think it took like going through the process of slowly getting comfortable with it also like it meant a lot that he took that time with me it it made me feel a lot more comfortable 
And I can tell you, there are so many anal taboos mm -hmm. in our culture. And I know Paul's had some bad experiences in the past with it. Mm -hmm. And so taking the time to communicate. And I also knew from our BDSM interest evaluation that there's a little fear around that. Mm -hmm. And so we explored that before we ever even mm -hmm. approach the actual act of even mm -hmm. external mm -hmm. anal play. Mm -hmm. And so it takes time and communication to open certain doors. Yeah. I know for me, I had to go through that process myself on a lot of sexual and BDSM interests where I had to become more comfortable with exploring it before I actually explored it. Mm -hmm. And then there's parts of me that were super excited and wanted to just jump in. But I knew I needed to take the time mm -hmm. and really fully explore it. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, I mean, when Paul was describing the anal sex, mm -hmm. my dick got a little hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And I know that anal sex can bring in anal pleasures, not just the sex, but just exploring the whole anal pleasures can bring on a whole different set of experiences and sensations and even different kinds of orgasms. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it gets so good. Mm -hmm. But it's through taking that time mm -hmm. to communicate and ask your partner, hey, would you like to start exploring this mm -hmm. at some point? I'm not putting pressure on you to mm -hmm. do it. It mm -hmm. just feels like something that I feel like there's a reluctance, but also a hunger for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There have been a couple of times that there was a miscommunication where I thought I had communicated something clearly, and Gigi thought that he had communicated something clearly, but there was a miscommunication. But because we have built a very healthy like trust with each other, either I could safe word out and talk with Gigi about it, or occasionally I have just dealt with it in the moment and then talked about it right afterwards or things like that. And because we have done so much communication up to this point and build up so much trust with each other and such a rapport, when those miscommunications happen, I didn't feel angry or bad. I didn't think that Gigi had done anything wrong on purpose. And we could figure out where that miscommunication came from and work on not letting it happen again in the future. And I think that's also very important. You bring up something that's really important, I think. It's intention. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, we're human beings. Sometimes we fuck up. Mm -hmm. We make mistakes. 
It's not intentional. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where trust building really comes in because we both realize, hey, we're not the enemy here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're here to work together. And yes, sometimes things happen. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And sometimes things go awry. Mm -hmm. It's not intentional. It's not like either of us wanted this to happen. Mm -hmm. It just happened. But because we set the foundation in communication, informed consent, and mm -hmm. setting boundaries, and negotiating everything, we knew we were basically on the same page, but yeah, the uh, weird flux of the mm -hmm. universe mm -hmm. occurred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it can do that sometimes. Mm hmm but that's where that bonding of trust mm -hmm. and the bonding of trust starts with communicating, mm -hmm. gaining informed consent and negotiating mm -hmm. everything that you want to do together. Yeah. And I know that one of the challenges I had in the beginning, I thought that I was doing good by like, not saying things that I thought might hurt your feelings or make you feel let down. So I felt a personal internal pressure to do things that I might not have been the most comfortable with in the beginning. And it took me a long time to start communicating those things more clearly with you. And like things got a lot better after I did start. So that's one of the things that's important to remember if you're in a BDSM relationship that has, you know, power uh, dynamics. Po yeah, po power dynamics is communicate with your sub uh, or your dom. Like a as a dom, communicate with your sub that it is their responsibility to communicate things with you even if it feels scary to do that and they're worried that they might let you down or make you feel bad because it's actually going to hurt worse in the long run for them to keep that from you mm -hmm. and well as a sub communicating with your dom like communicate that while you you do have those power dynamics you expect to be able to discuss things that you're uncomfortable with or that because you're worried that if you just kind of grin and bear it like it will make things worse in the long run i think being in a healthy dom sub relationship it's kind of a slip side Mm -hmm. There are times where you slip into dom mode, and there's times when you have to slip out of it and just communicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a slip side. Yeah. And that takes a certain kind of flexibility, mm -hmm. a certain kind of being able to really hear the moment mm -hmm. and be present in the moment mm -hmm. and say, okay, I need to hear this. Not as a dom, but person to person. 
Mm-hmm. Then sometimes I need to hear it as the Dom. Mm-hmm. And so it's really a judgment call sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think even with lovers, there are power dynamics. It's not that different from BDSM mm-hmm. that need to occur. And any power dynamic, mm-hmm. there has to be that kind of slip slide. Yeah. Being able to say, okay, I'm the alpha male or mm-hmm. alpha female at this moment, but I need to slip out of that role for a minute. Mm-hmm. And really hear your partner at a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that it's something that just takes practice. Uh, I think that especially when you're starting off with things and they're new to you, if you're new to BDSM or new to doming in general or new to sex or any number of things. It's a new shiny toy. (laughs) When you're new and don't have a lot of practice, you're bound to make a handful of mistakes, and that's okay. Just inform yourself as well as you can before going into it. Communicate clearly with your partner slash partner slash BDSM subdom, whatever, communicate with them beforehand and then during and then afterwards and do more research and figure out what you like. Mm -hmm. Wow, we're to the top of the hour already. Any inspirational parts that stood out for you, Paul? Mm Mm-hmm. I think one of my my big takeaways with this is I think a lot of times when it comes to consent and negotiation and things of this nature, uh, people get stuck in black and white thinking. They think one failed communication, one little mistake, and they're a consent violator and it's the worst thing in the world it, you you need to take this stuff st- seriously and if you accidentally fuck up you absolutely do have to take it seriously and do what you can to make sure to work it out and make amends uh, but it's everyone's bound to make mistakes anything in that you endeavor to do even the greatest masters of all time make mistakes at all sorts of things. And it's what you do after you make a mistake that really, really matters. And of course, there are bigger things and smaller things. And most of the time, you should be able to avoid making the really big mistakes if you take her advice and thoroughly communicate before and during and afterwards and do your research. But minor mistakes people are, are going to make, especially when it comes to BDSM, because it's something that's really on the edge of experience. But, you know, just learning from from your mistakes and, and continuing to move 
forward is the key. I think for me, my biggest takeaway is communication is key. When you can name things that you desire and communicate that to your partner, this is a good thing because it builds a deeper connection. It brings greater pleasure to each of you. I know as in my life with all the people I've played with, it's forming that bond and it takes a little bit of vulnerability, but it's in opening up and saying, hey, this is who I am, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. But when we can say that, name it, it's like, oh, it's so good, the things we get from it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? No, I'm good. Well, enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. Explore, discover. Sex can take us to amazing places. We can reach ecstasy and reach a pleasure that's, I know I have in my life, reach pleasures that have taken me, it's hard to put in words. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So take your place, take yourself to that place tonight. Allow yourself to really receive the gift of the goddess, the pleasures of the flesh. Have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>